The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 35. So today we have Grant Porteous in the studio with us. I do an interview with him, and we discuss his personal journey, the art of change and principles versus answers. It's a great discussion. I always enjoy talking with Grant. He and I have known each other for about six or seven years. We were in ministry together at a church here in northern Michigan with a couple other guys, and he's one of those guys I've wanted to introduce you to for a long time. He's not necessarily self-identified as a New Age Christian, but he carries all of the same values and principles that brought me to this point of calling myself a New Age Christian, which we even talk about that a little bit. What is it to mean to him as somebody who's been on this journey but not necessarily come this same exact direction and how do you do that how do you live and honor other people it's a wonderful discussion i am excited for you to meet him and let's get started all right here we are new age christian family we have uh grant porteous in the studio with us today say hello grant hello grant (laughs) you're the third person who's done that um so today, uh, Grant is, as I said, is here, and I want to introduce you to him in a couple different ways. You guys are familiar at this point with uh, the series that I do, you know, Interview with a New Age Christian. And it's kind of like that, but maybe a little bit different. Not the least, you know, one reason is I am curious, you know, the idea of calling yourself a New Age Christian, where that even kind of fits in your mind, if it kind of makes you jerk a little bit or uh, you know <laughs> a little twitch <laughs> what? but also um, Grant to me has become an amazing friend and resource in this journey for me I've kind of landed in the idea of being a new age Christian but for me to get here I needed people to walk with and Grant is one of those people that I've walked with for a while five years six years yeah or um, hard to imagine maybe even a little longer right yeah I moved here in 2011, so 2012, seven right. years. Seven years, right. I am. Getting to be something. <laughs> so um, let's start right at that, like the idea of New Age Christian. So this is a podcast called New Age Christianity. It's an audience of people who, by and large, are starting to identify as that. How does that do for you? Does it sound something like, ooh, intriguing, or what's your thoughts? Yeah, so you know, when I think of New Age Christianity, you know, I'm, it's like, so are we lighting incense or, you know, are we singing, you know, what are the songs that go with that even? Or, and so, and because I know you and by history, I have a sense of kind of what that means to you. What I think of that as for a lot of people that have kind of wandered away from the traditional church and don't have another or better identity or who have been outside the traditional church or church maybe altogether, and come at it from a place of, you know, thinking about universe or is that God or does God have a name or is there an identity with that? I think you could come to that place of new age Christian through a couple of different doors, you know? And so when I think about that, I just, I don't get too attached anymore to labels about whatever that is because I've had plenty of labels. (laughs) 
So, <laughs> and uh, most of them still don't seem relevant other than, you know, I relate to the fact that we're coming into a new age and I relate to the being a Christian. So for me, that's a real comfortable place right there. Other than that, what other people would call that or what they would think of that as or say that that is, I don't get too exercised or focused on all that. So that answers, I think, exactly where my heart has been with this, right? So the age is changing. We're right. moving from Pisces to Aquarius. You can see it everywhere. Just look at technology the last hundred years or so. I mean, mm-hmm. the change and the pace of change for anybody to be like, oh, you know, it's the, let's go back to the good old days. Like that doesn't even exist anymore. Everything is changing and God knew it would change. Right. And so the intention, um, New Age Christianity is a title that's a bit offensive on purpose, if you will. It is meant to be. I mean, I've had people, you know, comments on YouTube like, oh, what is this? Some, you know, it's some Christian pretend or some new ager pretending to be a Christian or something like that. Or, right. And I'm like, this title is meant to keep you away. <laughs> right. If you can't handle the title, you can't handle what's behind the title. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, yeah, not being obsessed with the title, not being obsessed with the definitions. Yeah, I think I don't think that that's very useful. I mean, I think getting to the core, what do you believe? I think that's useful, right. you know, and that I believe it in this time, in this day and age, and what's happening in this day and age, I think that's useful. Um, you know, Jesus walked in a time when a lot was changing. The temple was fixing to come down. Yeah, uh, Nobody would have believed it. You know, there were a lot of things that were on the cusp of changing, and Jesus had a lot to say that apparently from Scripture, he felt like people weren't ready to hear what he was saying was hard enough, given what they were used to hearing. Right. Right. I mean, hard enough that it got him killed. So that people would respond in a negative way to the idea of New Age Christian. I mean, I think you're both making an invitation, like you said, drawing a line in the sand. And, you know, if this is for you, maybe there's something stirring inside you that you know that it is. And if it's not for you or not for you yet, awesome. Because God's not done with anything or anybody you know, the, so to speak, the fat lady hasn't sung. Hmm. So there's still a lot more to come. And that's, you know, so the, if for my part, if I could, and I may even everything that we're, <laughs> I may take this clip out and say like, this is the intention of the definition, right? Hmm. A lot of people want or need something to identify with, mm-hmm. even if it's just to keep your family off your back, Right. Even if it's just to have an answer for like, so what are you now? Right. Like, fine, you need a label? I'm a new age Christian. Go check out the website. Leave me alone. Can we just eat the turkey in peace, please? <laughs> right? Right. But at the same time, it's never been to lock anybody in. So it's kind of been this like, look, I believe there's millions of us. I would call us displaced Christians. Sure. And then even millions of displaced new agers in many ways because the new age movement has become just as dogmatic. Oh, yeah. And and oh, yeah. so if you're not dogmatic, yet you're a spiritual seeker, mm-hmm. I think this is that near community. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're trying to set yourself up or set anybody up to have to receive a label. And I think that'll be refreshing for a lot of people. And I think, like you said, there's an awful lot of people in the quote unquote New Age movement, whatever that means, um, <laughs> who are right. not necessarily identifying with this thing or that one or some, I don't know, brand. But they're seeking, and they're seeking truth, and they're seeking life. And I think, you know, for believers who are seeking the same thing, there's probably on the Venn chart an overlap. 
mm-hmm. where, you know, okay, so I come at it from this place, you come at it from that place. But if we're both seeking life to the full and if we're both seeking what is the truth as kind of an objective thing versus a subjective thing, then I think there's an awful lot to be found in the Jesus that I've come to know. And I don't find the Jesus that I've come to know to be off-putting to anybody particularly that I've met yet (laughs) from that truly seeking other side of the street, if you will. Right. I mean, I was seeking on the other side of the street years ago when I wandered into a Plymouth Brethren Church, which was an interesting... Yeah, so I was going to where I was going to know X. Like, you know, I know your story, but the audience doesn't. So, you know, if I were to say, what is your story? Right. So not going too far back as to wander off into all that, (laughs) um, keeping the weeds only so high. (laughs) Spiritually speaking, you know, I'd gotten to a place as a teenager where I was going, okay, so what is the deal? You know, there's got to be more. There's got to be, I don't know, whatever it was. And in the 70s, which seems like, well... 50 years ago or whatever it is now. (laughs) So when I think back then, you know, it was the Mother Earth News and everybody was trying to get back to nature and, you know, and there was this awareness of the dawning of the age of Aquarius, you know, it was like a rock opera or something around that. So this whole notion at the time of um, the truth is found in nature and there's peace in nature and all that other kind of stuff, Woodstock, I wandered into an interest through my interest in American Indian stuff, an interest in some version of Native American religion or spirituality. So I bumped into a book called Seven Arrows, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. There's, you know, look at this, and this is great, and I love this, and there were the four directions, and I really do think that they had so much to say to people. But then I kind of went, but what happens later? What about the afterlife? What about eternity? Uh, And I saw nothing about that. Interesting. And so at about the same time, I met a a girl that I was smitten with, and she had just wandered into Christianity. Okay. And so through her explorations of Christianity, we were having a conversation one time, and and I was telling her all about Seven Arrows and all about this, and, and she goes, well, why would I want this much when I have this much? I'm like, well, well, that's rather arrogant. (laughs) But I'm like, what is it you have? (laughs) So... That, that was a big comparison. Maybe yeah. tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> and so, right. So I'm like, well, what is the rest of the stuff that you think I have so little to? But I knew that she was onto something. And so long story short, I wound up in a Plymouth Brethren Church um, going when it was convenient to hear a message that I was more or less understanding. And my roommate and I, we were partiers. And so we made church convenient around the party schedule. <laughs> and then after a while, we said, well, we probably should go Sunday morning. And so we had to make Saturday night fit Sunday morning. And then before you know it, it was kind of like evidence demands a verdict. And it was either this guy is crazy or this stuff is true. And so I decided this stuff was true. And How so, old were you? Mm, probably 22, 23. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I was saved October 2nd at 747. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It was kind of like I was 22, 23, something like that. I was pretty blue-brained. <laughs> so it took a while to come out of that. So, But as I did, you know, I wound up in a place where I'd lost my job, and then I got to be discipled by a guy who walked me through Scripture in a really deep way, which was an amazing experience all through this Plymouth Brethren Church. And so it's where I met my now wife. So I got a, a great look at Scripture from a particular perspective mm-hmm. that I would think of now as 
kind of legalistic, but also super, super solid. And while it wasn't the most judgmental place that I'd ever experienced, because I made the mistake of, oh, I experienced some pretty judgmental places in church world. But the most. No. Well, at least they've got that going for them. Well, what, what wound up happening is, and I didn't really understand the program. I was a pretty new Christian. So when I met my wife, I said, hey, God, you know, I'm sick of dating people. So the next woman I meet is going to be my wife. And I'm like, he's thinking, okay, got it. Right? <laughs> I didn't know how that worked. So I met Don at this Bible study. And I'm like, okay, this is it. You know, she's the one. Right. Because uh, I met her. And right. so I'm like, since she's the one and I met her. I'm going to ask her to marry me. So I did. And I wrote her a song and I proposed and she accepted. And I'm like, awesome. And then Stuart, who discipled me, asked me five questions. And I was like that guy in Monty Python standing on the edge of the abyss. You know, it's like, what about this? What about that? What about this? I'm like, oh, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> and off into the abyss I went. So, so because of that, I put the engagement... Right, I mm-hmm. proposed, so we were engaged. I put the engagement on pause. I thought that was smart. I thought that's what Stuart was suggesting. Turns out the rest of the church understood from the biblical perspective that that was like a divorce. Because in the Old Testament, when you became engaged, that was the real commitment. Right. And the marriage was just a formality. The ceremony was just a formality. So I'd basically made the commitment, and I'd broken the commitment. Oh, boy. Well, yes. <laughs> Donna was very popular. Uh-huh. I I wasn't <laughs> as much. And so when I broke the engagement, it was like, oh, my word. I really messed on the carpet. And so from there, we left and went to kind of a more mainstream or middle-of-the-road church. Okay. And so that's where we eventually got married, in fact. You know, we'd, I'd spoiled things so badly at the other place that it wasn't possible to, to be there any longer. And then we just wound up being married where we were. So anyway, that early beginning in the church, as a new believer, I got a tremendous dipping in Scripture, and it really stuck with me, right? But my understanding of it over the years changed. And I think that's the story for a lot of people. You know, you understand, say, the writings of Paul one way, and then later on you understand them in a completely different way. Right. Oh, I know. I mean, people, I think this is the 34th episode so far, and... uh, just the changes that I've heard in my own language from like the first few episodes. I'm like this again, if anybody is listening to this podcast, wanting answers, like hold on for your, to your hats. Cause they're just, I've realized recently I'm in, I'm a man in pursuit of principles, right? Because if you can find the principles that underline the answers, you realize that the answers are different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And the answers are often different based on where you're going through. Right. So, you know, give me the right answer. Give me the right answer. Well, <laughs> you know, how about I give you the principles and you sort out the answer for yourself? Right. And yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is the truth doesn't change. How it applies in my life might. Absolutely. Right. You know, I use the example of so many times on the podcast of maybe spirits working on you on being generous and he's working on me on being frugal. Mm-hmm. Right. And we both walk by the same guy who's looking for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I... I've always been overly generous and so I give him my $10 and you have always been a, you know, a miser and you don't give him $10. I take it away from him. Right. And we both totally failed. <laughs> the guy got his $10. It has nothing to do with getting the $10. It has everything right. to do with the journey, the principles underneath. Right. And so. And whether or not you're tuned in and plugged in and hearing what it yeah. is that you need to hear. 
So that's your beginnings in yeah, the early the early days. So I'm fascinated by so many people. Uh, you at what point did you become a teacher in the church? So in that first church that we went to, it was a um, you know Christian church, the middle of the road Christian church. It wasn't the non instrumental. It wasn't the church of do what you want. It was the kind of the middle of the road Christian church. Right. And I didn't even know at the time that there were three different stripes of that church, but. Because I was young and had a cool car and a pretty wife, we became youth leaders. Awesome. Yeah. And so that, aren't those the criteria in Scripture? You got to have the right genes, though. Yeah. And so apparently we had all the right stuff, and so I became a, a youth leader. And so I enjoyed the teaching aspect of it. You know, I enjoyed opening Scripture up with people and pushing into it just in sort of a, well, what do you think that means? And what do you think that means? And well, what about that? And so that was probably the start of that. I don't know that it became a, a recognized interest or desire, but the more I stayed in the church world, the more common it became that I thought, well, I could teach that class or I wound up teaching a class. Hmm. So it was a soft start. Now, this was all in St. Louis, yeah? Yep, that was all still in St. Louis. And so obviously we're up in Traverse City now. Right. And I know fast forward to you guys moved up here how long ago? We moved in 2001. 2001. So, yep. and I know some of your stories since coming here, mm-hmm. going to kind of, uh, as we were talking earlier and kind of prep for the show, the, uh, you know, becoming like, I loved what you said about you were becoming one of those John Eldridge dudes, you know. Yeah. Women are tired and men are bored. <laughs> So, right. you know, just kind of share. And then this kind of leads into how we met right. a bit. But uh, I don't know, share a little bit there. about. So from that point, I found myself more and more. There were two things kind of happening at once. I was really starting to go, OK, but every Sunday I'm hearing the same thing. Like, you got to get saved. You got to get saved. You got to get saved. And I'm like, I've checked that box. <laughs> and so <laughs> done that. Grow me deeper. How do I grow deeper? What do I need to do? And so I started looking more and more towards classes instead of Sunday morning. And it got to the point where. Sunday morning was just such a grind of hearing the same salvation message over and over, which was fine for a seeker-sensitive church or a church that's trying really to reach out. But for somebody who'd been in the church for a while and who'd been saved for a while and who had heard that for a long time now, (laughs) it was like, okay, um, there's more. And what I maybe I didn't realize is there's more was starting to percolate into a there's more to life than fill in the blank than this thing. And so I started teaching classes as a way of kind of being out of the Sunday service. And it wasn't because I, you know, I despise the pastor or anything. It was just how many times can you hear you need to get saved? And then in part, like we were talking about before to us, and a part of that message began to be internalized. And I'm sure that was playing off of old messaging in, in my head. You know, it was try harder, try harder. No, try harder. Well, that's simply not good enough. Try harder still. And then it kind of became, you suck. Try harder. (laughs) You know, what's the matter with you? And so you should have this figured out. I'm like, I'm trying. And then eventually I was like, there isn't going to be any figuring this out. And if this is all there is, you suck. Try harder. I can't keep doing this. It was sucking the life out of me. Hashtag things Jesus never said. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of. I don't, and I started to look around because at first I thought that that's what Jesus said. I thought Jesus was saying try harder. And I'd heard, always heard Pauline doctrine interpreted as um, kind of misogynistic and as um, very, very harsh and judgmental. Right. And what I came to understand is he was the, Paul was probably the most quote unquote 
open-minded or inclusive author in Scripture, while he doesn't countenance any BS, at the same time, he is so applicable how to apply love, how to apply the things that Jesus was trying to teach, I think, in a church-based setting. And what I began to see is more and more it's about love. And what I began to see when I looked around less and less was it's about love. Instead, it was about judgment and criticism and setting up standards, and it began to feel very pharisaical. And I don't mm-hmm. think anybody was trying to do that. But that was my more and more my strong impression, and it was just drying me up. So at some point, you know, somebody came into the church, a guy introduced me and people who were listening open to that to a thing that they called the grace message, and you and I have talked about that uh, as the you know, the new man message, and there's a variety of other things. Um, but it introduced me to a whole new body of literature. It introduced me to a whole new way of understanding the message that I began to see that Jesus came, which is, it's about life, and mm-hmm. it's about life to the full. And by the way, it's no longer you who lives, it's Christ who lives in you. I'm like, what? That's not really what I'm understanding. And so the more I saw Scripture open up to point to that reality, and the fact that as an identity, I wasn't a sinner. Oh, my goodness. You know, that was like, really? Right. And then, of course, the chorus of voices behind you, well, that's not true. That's not right. true. You're a sinner. <laughs> you know, and you need to repent of your sin. And, and it was like, well, okay, but I did. And I get that I'm not perfect and that I'm human. So I'm not trying to play fast and loose here and make excuses. Or what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, it's not about that. But it's like either... I'm a new creature in Christ, saved by grace, which is God's ability once and for all, or I'm still stuck in my sin. And so I think the one thing is an identity. Well, I think they both are identities. A sinner is an identity. A believer is an identity. Well, it's just, you know, which Adam are you in? Are you in the first Adam or the second? You know, we say Jesus died for the whole world. And then yet, and so did Adam, right? As in Adam, all died. Mm -hmm. So in Christ, all died. Like, which death is more powerful? Because most people would by default say, you know, your default position is sinner because of Adam, mm-hmm. to which scripture very clearly says Jesus was the last Adam. There is no more Adams anymore. There are, we are new creations right. and so on and so forth. There's a lot of people in this audience that left Christianity without the journey of leaving Christianity. They just got sick of it. Right. There's a few different ways to leave Christianity. One of them is you grow out of it and you mature out of it because you learn better. I'd say that's the journey that we went on. There's others that got so abused, so beat up, so hurt and mistreated that they just said, screw Christianity, I'm out. And if you're one of those people that's listening and you are that second group, there is... I would dare say you still came to, in some ways you came to the right answer, but the journey to get there, if you want to kind of reconnect with, with Christianity in a way that's healthy, then do some Googling on the grace message on the new creation, man. And there's other terms. Can you think of another? uh, uh, I mean, those are the two that jumped to mind because I think those are the two that we talked about the mm -hmm. most, you know, from your experience, it was, you know, the new, New man? New creation. New creation. And from my early introduction, it was about the grace message. You know, grace being God's ability, not yours. And so, yeah, I think if you did come to a place of jumping off, you know, Barna wrote a book, was it Revolutionaries? Um, Back in 2004, 2006, something like that, 
where he talked about the research as a major researcher, the research of the hundreds of thousands of people exiting mainstream church mm-hmm. and going into home church or going into small groups or going into nothing to get out from under whatever it was that they weren't finding in the churches that they'd been attached to before. Right. And because, you know, unfortunately, I think there was no place for a lot of people to go or they didn't find a place where the life that they were seeking was being offered. Instead, they would go to this place and that place and the next place, and it was kind of more of the same. And at some point, you just throw up your hands and go, that's enough of that. I just can't keep doing that. Hmm. And I think that's a shame because, like you said, a lot of people in your audience are probably had probably gotten to that place if they came in through the door marked Christian or former Christian as opposed to the you know new age or, or spiritual seeker. Mm-hmm. And so there's an awful lot of people who are limping through that door wounded and hurt and beat up. And it's understandable that a lot of those folks would be resentful and feel like that was maybe a part of the wrong answer. Well, the good news is, is that there we can genuinely tell them, like, if you heard the gospel of you suck, try harder, that's not the gospel Jesus came with. And it's not even the one that's in the Bible. No. And so you don't have to look back at those years and think, oh, I was just totally all wrong. You can glean the value from those years if you can at least reframe maybe it wasn't the whole thing that just was stupid maybe there was just an element or a a leaven in it that you know i'm not going to bring that with me but you can look back and realize that the stories are still valuable Uh, you mentioned paul like Mm -hmm. he's often preached as super judgmental super law-based and even uh, what'd you say? Uh, legalistic. Legalist and about. Oh, yeah. Uh, misogynistic. Misogynistic. Thank you. Right. Jonathan Welton has a great little snippet on the women in ministry and the subject about it. And you know the one that talks about, you know, heaven forbid that women speak in church? Oh, yeah, right. If you go back, it's, it's a translation thing with punctuation that if you remove the comma, because there were no commas in Greek. Uh, if you remove the comment and you reread it with what's going on and the context of what's in front of it, mm-hmm. you realize Paul wasn't saying he was quoting them. He was quoting what they wrote because he's saying in your previous letter, right? And there is a, a different, it's not a comma, it's a, I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, and he's saying that women shouldn't speak in church and everything like that. And then you get to the part where he says, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, was the, did the word of God come only to you? Mm-hmm. Like, and you can see like, oh my gosh, Paul was pissed mm-hmm. that they're saying women should shut up. Right. Right. But poor dude has been interpreted as him. that being his instruction anyway. So yeah. It's, yep. So you, you There's may a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. You may be, Oh, I remember Paul being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Well, actually there's, if you can go back to those things that you learned for all those years and you realize, no, there's a massive consistency right. between what Jesus delivered and what, if you're embracing New Age Christianity or this kind of family, you realize you're not that far off from what it was originally anyway. Yep. So we met after that kind of, I remember you, you always kind of tell the story of like standing in the lobby one day. Oh yeah, stand, so standing in the lobby of the big church going, you know, so looking around going, who do I know here from the front of the church to the back that has the freedom in Christ that Paul talks about in Galatians or that has the fullness of life that Jesus said that he came to give us. You know, not sin management. Right. I came that you might manage your sins more effectively. You know, (laughs) I came that you might get your poop in a group and start acting right. As opposed to, I came that they might have life in that to the full. Or like Paul said, you know, 
you foolish Galatians, you so easily bewitched you, you know? Right. That that whole, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. I'm like, freedom? Well, who's talking about that? Yeah, let's have that conversation in the church for you. Yeah, can we hear a message on freedom? <laughs> no. No. Uh, so, freedom and following the rules. Uh, okay, got it. <laughs> you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Right. Right. So at any rate, you know, I'm just like, about at that point, I was kind of done because I wasn't finding that. I wasn't finding people talking about and pointing to and walking into freedom in a way that I could felt like I could follow. And I wasn't seeing people looking at the fullness of life. I mean, I get that the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. I came that they might have life and that to the full. Okay, we're focused on kill, steal and destroy. We don't want that. Got it. What's the life look like? Crickets. And so that's what I'm like, I need the life. Okay, I understand, you know, no sin. I understand this bad. I understand, you know, don't do that. You know, it's like my grandmother used to say, don't smoke or chew and go with girls that do. Okay, got it. What do I do? What do we do? (laughs) Right? What does the thing actually offer? Because what I've come to understand in the work that I'm doing, especially now, what you focus on and what you keep reinforcing is what you're going to keep getting. And so, you know, if you look at the whole world through the lens of everybody sucks and they're all sinners and it's terrible, the brain goes, got it. And then it shows you more people that suck and that are all sinners and the world's terrible. Because if you saw otherwise, you would think you were crazy. Yeah, the world wouldn't make any sense anymore. But I think that's a part of the problem and it's part of the challenge. When I began to challenge or question the message and what I'd been kind of encouraged to believe, well, it didn't really line up with what I was starting to see in Scripture. And so that... The tendency to want to think that through and to look at that and go, is that what that really means? I mean, what does it mean to really be free? Or what does it really mean to have fullness of life or Christ in you, you know, as opposed to, you know, this idea of, you know, I'm here, God's there, and occasionally he visits. This (laughs) Right? Malcolm Smith said that. Um, But to be able to go, okay, so it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me? What does that mean? And nobody was talking about that. Kind of like nobody was talking in Seven Arrows about eternity. I'm like, okay, we're missing a big hunk of the the story here. Right. So in the same way that I went looking from Seven Arrows for an answer to the eternity question, I began going looking from that more traditional or, I don't know, narrowly defined, let's talk about this and this alone because our job is to get people saved. And I begin to feel like our job is to be able to raise up powerful believers who understand what Scripture says so that they can go out in the world and do the things that Jesus said they were supposed to do. And I really kind of began to believe that that's what we were supposed to do because Jesus said that's what we were supposed to do. Right. And then I really wasn't buying that, well, that was a special dispensation for another time. <laughs> right? It's like, well, uh, at what point did we draw the line in that yeah. sand? And so there were things that began to not add up. And so I began to look not so much outside of the word or outside of God, but outside of the interpretation or the teaching of that word. So exchange life ministries, right? Was a thing. Yeah. So, so um, without going into the history of it all, the exchange life was that whole, um, oh, that was the other, the big term. Yeah, that I was, we I was trying, trying to, to right. that's what I was well, saying. Yeah. The other term we couldn't think of. Right, so, and I wound up going to, at the suggestion of a friend, I wound up going to a conference down in Grand Rapids and got a real fast introduction to it, and it was, you know, it was amazing. And then I, I picked up the last copy of a book there called The Rest of the Gospel, When the Partial Gospel's Worn You Out, and it just completely 
upended my purse and dumped all, most all the contents out on the table and required them to be resorted. And it was a great read. And it was, as a counselor, you know, in traditional behavioral health world, I worked with a lot of believers and a lot of people stuck in anxiety and depression and frustrations and anger or whatever they were stuck in as a result of the things that they'd been told about themselves that I understood from that journey I'd been on just kind of weren't true. Hmm. And the way that Dan Stone unpacked it in the book, The Rest of the Gospel, really helped to clarify and provide answers for a lot of those folks in Dan Stone's wonderful way. So he's gone on to be with God, but his writing lives on. It's entertaining and humorous and spot on in my mind. So that was one of those turning points where I went, okay, so this guy's nailed it in terms of what I've been sensing or feeling or knowing must be true. And oh my gosh. And he, it's all scriptural based. Dan was a former Baptist minister. Mm. So um, that whole idea of the exchange life, it's again, no longer I who lives. Perfect. It doesn't get any more in my mind. It doesn't get any more spiritual or weird than the idea that God would take my life in the twinkling of an eye and replace it with his own. Oh, we like weird here. Yeah. And we and, definitely and, like weird. And so to me, I'm like, okay, top <laughs> that. Give me something that's weirder than that, right? <laughs> I mean, if that's really true, I kept thinking that should make the top of our head screw off collectively as a church. And it wasn't because we weren't telling people that. Well, then you get, you know, it's the frog boiling in the water, right? Right. Um, you get Christians and most Christian thought today is completely non-mystical. And yeah, you're like, very logical. Uh, so you died in somebody else 2,000 years ago. And then before that, like maybe six or 7,000 years before that, we'll go, you know, biblical timeline there. Like, so this is all completely logical, right? And yet logic became flesh and then experienced death and all that. Like this entire journey, the entire Bible, the entire story is mystical as hell. Totally. And yet somehow it has been like reserved for dudes in ivory towers at, you know, seminaries and, and it is all reduced to reason in the mind. Boiled down to its parts. And then I have people I, you know, love dearly who think I am weird as hell. And I'm like, Dude, you're weird too. You just become so normal too. You you don't realize how weird you sound to the rest of the world, right? right. Oh boy, but um, so we met. I moved here 2011. I think it was November, right around my birthday. I started filling in, leading worship at North Point. You mm-hmm. were already there. Yeah, I'd been there for a little while and had been part of the transition from a single guy. And then as Ted began to get overwhelmed with having to do it all because he'd left another larger established church and then kind of did a, was part of a startup church in the Traverse City area. The mother church was in Grand Rapids. So as he was doing that startup church, long story short, that did not work out in the way that the church had intended. And so he wound up on his own and then some of his former congregants or whatever you'd say, encouraged a Bible study, and then that turned into a home church, and you know that's how that often happens. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, they've got a space where he's kind of like the chief cook and bottle washer, so he's doing everything. He's back to being a senior pastor and had no intention of doing that. And the janitor, <laughs> and the right, and, and his wife was cooking uh, lunches, amazing lunches on Sunday morning, and so that at some point became overwhelming for him. And in that time, I can't quite remember if you had already onboarded or if you were coming on board or what the deal was, but that's where we went to a decentralized, there's no one guy, 
and the guy was replaced with four teachers. Right. And so, you know, and you and I were two of those four, which is interesting because in the Plymouth Brethren Church, where it all began for me, there is no guy. They don't have a guy as a rule. Right. So um, that was interesting for me to see the similarities. I'm like, hey, I think we're on the right track because we're trying to get away from a guy. Right. Right. And that was really hard for a lot of people. And a lot of people, once we made that transition, left. Yeah, Ted was much beloved. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he had a great skill in pastoral mm-hmm. care and stuff like that, even though even I mean, I think he would admit certain parts of it were learned and stuff. He just, sure. you know, uh, there's a measure of what you can learn to do as a leader. And there's a measure of like just what comes natural. Yeah. And pastors are expected to be like all versions of leader. Right. And so I think Ted just acknowledged like, look, I'm good at this and I really enjoy that. This is, I can do it because I've learned it, but it drives me nuts. It drains me. It drains the energy. You know, all this stuff. And so Ted, being honest with himself and just honest with what he was looking out of of life and his journey, kind of stuff and said, you know, look, I'm done being the guy. Let's, Let's transition to having multiple communicators. Share the load. And share the load. And yeah, a lot of people left because they want, they love Ted and they wanted Ted to be the guy. And there's a lot of, a lot of people in their spiritual journey who need that guy. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, at times I think in the past, I'm like, you know, that's just wrong. And, you know, and, you know what's wrong with people? Now I kind of look at it like there's times in the journey where that's, is what probably you need. You need the simplicity of, okay, there's this one guy. But I remember what I had interpreted as a mature believer coming up to me after the service where we kind of, we put four bar stools up on the on the <laughs> dais and kind of said, okay, you know, throw us your questions. And afterwards, this guy came to me and goes, okay, I get it, but who's the guy? I'm like, well, <laughs> all right, but so Jesus is the guy. He's like, yeah, 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 I get it, but who's the guy? I'm like, no, no, really, we're trying to make, make Jesus the guy. And he gives me this look like, you're a moron. <laughs> who's the guy? And I'm thinking, well... You know, I think Cool Hand Luke, what we have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> right. There is no guy. And he was gone. He took his family and left because he needed the guy. He needed to know. He's like, yeah, but if there's a problem, who do we go to? I don't know. Whoever you think has the problem. Yeah. Maybe Whoever you have the problem with. Right. right? You could go talk to that person. <laughs> and that would be okay. But, you know, that need for there to be a single guy or a single person I don't know. It's a different style of leadership. And even, you know, in the corporate world, there's a lot of shift in understanding that, you know, emotional intelligence is really, really important. And it's not about your hard skills and about IQ as much as it is about the ability to have insight and to recognize your effect and an impact on people and things and all that kind of stuff. And so that you don't have to have any of that when there's the guy. Right. Right when there's just the one person that you can either point to and smile at or point to and frown at, um, you don't have to really deal with all that other messy stuff. It's so funny, even that. So the, you know, in Netflix recently, a few years ago now, they used to have the star rating system, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was Amy Schumer, a uh, comedian who got like a she put out a new comedy that was ranked one star, and like she just lost it, and the response. Netflix switched to the thumbs up, thumbs down, right? Because having to be nuanced in your response, you know, how many stars is this versus just do you like it or not? Right. And that's where you don't like the, the spirituality, you know, is nuanced. It is, you know, back to that whole, you know, there's not just the same answer for you and may not be the same answer for me, but the principles are the same. Like if you really want 
the depth of meaning in your life that your spiritual journey can create, you need to engage with it. But most people just want that, well, thumbs up or thumbs down, right? And I'll average it out whether or not I like this church. (laughs) Right. Thumbs up this morning, pastor. Thumbs down this morning, pastor. And eventually you kind of get your average and it's like, come on, you know. And And those same people, I used to kind of look down on them and get frustrated. And there's still parts of me that's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But I have come to this point where I'm, it's also part of the journey. It's also, I'm not sure it's the wrong answer anymore. I used to be so sure that it was the wrong answer. Right. And now I'm like, well, maybe it's the right answer for you. I, you know, I don't. Yeah, it is a part of the journey. And, you know, to the whole, you know, to the journey that, you know, your audience might be on, everybody at a different point to recognize that, you know, if, that's a thing that still kind of makes sense or if that's a thing that doesn't make sense that's just kind of an indicator of where in the journey it's not like it's right or wrong and so when somebody goes hey that doesn't work for me i need a guy i'm leaving it's not bad no and it's not good good you're leaving or oh no don't go it's not about that we watched a lot of people leave. yeah i mean we did i was told at the end of it that some of them may have been my fault Well, we used to joke that, you know, we hadn't figured out how to run everybody off. Right. Um, And that certainly wasn't the intention. But the more we felt the freedom, I think, to talk with people about different things, you know, I think one of the things that freaked some people out is to have a conversation in January that says, this is what I've discovered. And then to circle back around in October and go, and now I've discovered this. And a lot of people are like, wait, wait, I thought you said this. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people to deal with because they want, just like they want the guy, they want the thing to be the thing and they want it always to be the thing. And the thing that I would say is always the thing is that's Jesus. God Mm -hmm. is always the thing. He's not changing. He didn't get up one morning and get surprised by what was going on anywhere. And he's not kind of closing the day out going, hmm, I wonder what I want to be tomorrow. That's God doesn't change. The core of the message doesn't change. You know, what you grow into and what you're able to do, I think, depending on your belief, does change. Um, it's When anybody builds a brand, especially around themselves or around their information, it is very tempting and very challenging to not just fall right into like, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what I teach. And so for me, for years... The goal was how do I just can allow give myself the freedom to keep growing, and I found that many times I just couldn't build a big following because most people well I was here because you teach this and now you don't teach that anymore I'm out mm-hmm. and there's a part of me that's you know it's kind of that people who build you know you can imagine if Dave Ramsey suddenly you know became passionate about you know how to use debt properly mm-hmm. to build a business. Right. Well, he's the no debt guy. He's literally the debt is dumb guy. If he had any inkling to investigate how to use debt in a different way, he would destroy his brand. Correct. Right. And so by building, becoming successful with what you communicate and becoming known for what you communicate, you also can very easily lock yourself into this is all I can communicate. Mm -hmm. And so it's for me, it's been a I don't want to live that life. I want to be able to grow and mature and everything. So I'm, I'm attempting. We'll see if it works. Or not. <laughs> you know, time will tell. I'm attempting to build a brand and a quote unquote uh, thought form around New Age Christianity that actually expects that kind of movement 
and expects that kind of shifting and growth and process and shares all of it, right? I'm not going to go back and delete old episodes because I don't agree with them anymore. It was part of the journey. I mean, and that's, I don't know, I've never met an author and I've met many that doesn't regret something in their book by the time it gets printed. Like there's always like, I kind of not sure I agree with that paragraph anymore, you know? Like, but you put it in print and suddenly you're stuck. And I think North Point, it was a bunch of leaders and that wasn't just the four of us. It was a church filled with ex-church leaders Mm -hmm. that uh, we kind of decided, you know what? We're not going to get stuck. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep growing. And that's why we didn't run everybody off because of the people who were left, I think, were very interested in what's next. Yeah, I think think there was an interest in, in following that. The mm-hmm. bouncing ball um, and not needing to hear the same thing over and over all the time to know, okay, okay, so it's okay, so at least I know that's true. Because I think for me, the freedom in part has been knowing who's true. You know, it's like a friend of mine says, you know, when you know whose you are, right? Right? That's a huge, huge step towards knowing who you are. And so that idea that. In a place like a North Point where you can explore different ideas or in New Age Christianity where you get to explore different ideas. You know, for me, the thing is, I want to always be able to come back and go, okay, but what's true North? Oh, yeah, true North is. And for myself, I don't have a question about what true North is. And so I'm pretty comfortable talking about a lot of different stuff. And it's like, oh, you believe that? Well, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Um, You know, like we were talking about before we started the meeting today. I may not agree with everything that you have to say. Um, You know, you may not agree with everything I have to say. That's really not the point Mm -mm. of a forum like this is to be able to explore and to push into and to ask questions, hard questions, you know, ask them in angry ways, ask them in uncertain ways, whatever it is. That's the whole point is to create a place where people can explore their way into their journey as opposed to saying this is your journey and what it's supposed to look like and these are the only things that you're able to believe or you know that we're going to permit you to believe and if you don't believe this then you're out right and you, by the way you suck and you need to try harder yeah the only the only non-negotiables we have are more about behavior than anything in the sense of if you're going to come in and be an asshole you're out like I, I will block you from the group like it's pretty simple right i mean it's not it's i think we have three non-negotiables non, at least it's honor lack of prejudice and uh I can't even remember what the other one is right now. They're really important, apparently. <laughs> Especially that third one. <laughs> but no assholery. Right. And that's really it, because everything is debatable. Yeah, I mean, you could work to interpret anything. I mean, I think that's where you kind of have to say, okay, this core belief, I see it backed up by, for me, it's backed up in Scripture. Yes. If it's founded on Scripture, I'm like, okay, got it. You know, the tricky part is, you know, the things that I understood as backed up and founded on Scripture when I was 23 and sitting in Stewart's basement being walked through Scripture is different at almost 63. Right. What I understand from what I've learned as I walk through Scripture. And so I don't feel like I've arrived at it, but what I do see is over the years, there are some things that haven't really shifted. Right. You know, now there's other things that I, that I understand, I think, more fully. I guess I would put it that way. Um, I don't feel like I've got the market cornered on right. But, you know, where we wind up, I think my experience would say is where we wind up when we think that we have got that market cornered is we forget that it's really about loving 
not it wasn't supposed to be about a contest to see who's more right. You know, is it the Baptists, the Presbyterians, or the fill-in-the-blanks? It's not about that. It's about loving more. And, you know, I think what Jesus was trying to give us a sense of is how important that is. Mm-hmm. And I think we've lost the thread of that by and large. And we've made it about other things that it that doesn't have anything to do with being more loving and tra- transforming the world through a, a message and actions that are loving. I think for me, more and more, that's the more important thing. For sure. Oh, well, that's, it's also, as, as someone who's trying to live that, it's just a way nicer way to live, like for yourself, not just for other people, but like you don't have to walk around offended all the time. You don't have to like right. judge shit all the time. Like you can just kind of like, oh, well, whatever. You know? right. And suddenly you move on with your day and you go see the movie and the dude who cuts you off isn't like sitting, ruining your movie, you know? No, wait, what? The guy who cut you off isn't, you know, <laughs> is this something you need to learn? <laughs> okay, so moving on from that. Right, right, yeah. No, it was very real experience. So a couple yeah. of movies ago, I was realized like the dude, like it was, you know, crazy traffic and it was the, um, the Avengers end game. Oh, there might've been you know, shootings. Oh, exactly. Everyone's like, and you know, some dude's freaking out and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I think back in the day, I'd be sitting in the movie like, what an asshole, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you just think through this stuff. Miss the first third of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, what a, that's no point. So we're running long, but I don't want to forget to get to, I love this. I just love, I knew you and me chatting has always been easy enough. You know, the fast forwarding of us, we ended up intentionally closing down North Point because mm-hmm. that was part of the journey. Mm-hmm. We kind of woke up, we all sat around and we do a weekly breakfast as the four Moseses eventually. <laughs> and uh, we just realized like, so wait a minute, we're all mature believers. We're all, we kind of said what we've said and why are we paying $3,500 a month for a building? Why are we doing this? Like, do we even need? And so we intentionally shut the church down. We didn't have to for financial reasons or any of that. It just became, you know, the building was having some issues and stuff like that. There was other things, but by and large, we intentionally did. And just kind of skipping over some of those things, getting mm-hmm. to now, what are we, four years later? Yeah, something like that. Where's your journey have you now? I, I, I know some of the stuff that you're pushing into. We just had a conversation on the couch before recording on kind of your current passions or the, you know, your, the thing that you're here to do. I know there's some people in this audience who could really use uh, some of what you carry, if you will. And then, I'd, you know, for them to hear it. And then honestly, I would promote a grant for myself. I've told multiple people, including some business partners of mine, like when the time comes, you know, uh, and I can afford it, I will absolutely hire you as a personal coach Right now, I kind of get it for free a little bit, but... Uh, as long as there's cigars. Right, exactly. But um, no, I can't. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of teachers. I have Jamie Englehart is one for me as well. But between the two of you, I, the value you bring in my life and just the insights, um, your history with counseling and stuff like that has proven to be uh, something that I know. Your ability to ask the right questions mm. and like poke at the right things. I'm a smart guy and I think through shit. But I come to you and I'm like, oh, I just walked away with three or four thoughts I didn't previously have. That's hard to do. Sometimes it helps to be on the outside. <laughs> yeah. but, Everybody's uh, got a blind spot, right? Yeah, so. well, and I have plenty of them. And probably the more smart you think you are, the bigger your blind spots. But uh, 
anyways, if you could just share with kind of where you're currently at, and I just want the audience to hear a little bit of that. Yeah. So when I moved to Northern Michigan in 2001, I'd come from a place of doing community-based economic development, right? And so there just wasn't a lot of that happening in Northern Michigan. Mm -hmm. So um, because my degree was in social work and I was doing macro level social work. I was just helping communities of people figure out how to get what they wanted. Mm -hmm. I just turned it upside down and went to the micro side. And I actually had gone back to school to get a degree in family counseling because I figured based on my history, it'd be really hard to throw me a curve (laughs) I couldn't hit. So when I moved up here in 01 and there wasn't any community economic development work, I went into counseling. And I wound up focusing a lot on families and stuff. And so for the next 18 years or so, I did more or less traditional behavioral health. But the further I got off into um, the exchange life and the grace message and looking at that whole thing and the implications of that for our identity, you know, is your identity as a one who sucks and isn't good enough? Or is it as one who is a co-creator with God and good enough by every stretch of the imagination, but has been taught the wrong things or has been shown some of the wrong things or has never been shown anything much. So over the years, what that's led me to, I got a coaching certificate from the International Coach Federation back in like 2008. And I treated coaching as more or less an activity up until very recently. And I'm moving into coaching as kind of the main focus of what I do. I'm not against quote-unquote behavioral health as long as that behavioral health isn't about attaching a a pathology or a diagnosis that's pathological like you know you're broken instead (laughs) to be able to say because there's big money in broken people right right there's not a lot of money in healthy people no exactly so not that that's a I mean, not that there's like three major industries built around that. No, 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 not at all. And so that's of which religion would be one of them. That's a whole different episode. (laughs) But the whole idea that what if you've been going through the motions and faking it and just gutting it out, trying to check all the right boxes, but has brought you to this place where you're looking around going, really, this is it? And you look at your partner and you're like, who are you and why is your stuff in my bathroom? (laughs) Because at this stage of life, um, you know, we think that we would have all those boxes checked would equal this full, rich, satisfying life of kind of peace and meaning. And it turns out we get just better at better at putting on the show Mm -hmm. until we go, I just can't keep doing this. So I came to the first show breaker in my marriage where it was like, I just can't keep doing this. Um, And then I realized I didn't know what to do to fix it. And so for the next 15 years, through my traditional behavioral health experience, I guess, I got to learn how. And then in church world, I got to the place where I couldn't keep putting on a show. Mm -hmm. And I kind of threw in the towel on that. And so there have been a lot of places where where I came to realize I can't keep faking it. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people continue to blame themselves when they're in that place where they feel like they're just going through the motions, turning the crank, putting on the show day after day. It looks great on the outside. You know, it's like the two-surgeon household that's got all the money and all the trappings and a couple of three houses and all the toys, and they don't like one another and they hate their lives. They built themselves this amazing golden cage and they can't get out of it. And the answer in a lot of those industries is, well, you either have to stay in it or there's something wrong with you, or you have to get out of it because there's something wrong. And my message to people would be, or (laughs) there isn't anything wrong with you and you are brilliant and amazing and can learn how to do something different. You don't have to keep living in this stuck, overwhelmed, hopeless place that you found yourself just because you've never learned to do it differently than say your parents did it. Right. And so 
that's a message that I'm feeling more and more burdened to get out there to people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thanks for asking. That's the thing that I feel like right now at this point in my life, that's the message I carry. And that's the thing that I want to share with people. I can attest it go for you. Um, you know, I know I largely stick in the philosophical space, mm-hmm. right? I help people rethink. I help them ask questions, everything like that. But then people, you know, getting down to the practical advice, mm-hmm. getting down to step by step, how do I, you know, okay, so yeah, I, I have an amazing job. My spouse has an amazing job. We can't stand each other. And my job I don't actually like. Right. But it pays really well. Right. I hate um, my amazing life. Right. My I hate my amazing life, even though I went on my third vacation this year. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that keeps me going is that I went on my third vacation this year. Yeah, and I can. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, I would help people, you know, re- ask philosophical questions that would probably throw them on a pilgrimage to India for four months and, you know, eat, pray, love journey and rebuild their life that way. And that scares people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And if it's not, I'm kind of like, well, I can't help you. (laughs) That's where I would say call Grant. Like, if you want to do what you can to, you don't have to, as you said, you don't have to just like say sayonara to your job or sayonara to your spouse. If you get there, so be it. But there is ways to change in the midst of the life you've built. Yeah, if you're in distress, it's just because you're paying attention. There's nothing wrong with being in distress. Distress, you know, being in a quote-unquote suffering state, like my mentor would call it, isn't the problem. It's not a judgment one way or the other. It's, it's an indicator. It's like the idiot lights on your dash. It's like something's wrong with the engine. So you can ignore that at the peril of your engine and your pocketbook, or you can go, I wonder what's wrong with the engine. Let's find out. And for that, I would say, and one of the reasons I'm chasing hard with this message the to try to find the people that are ready to change is because... Mindset, which is 80% of any game, including relationships, marriage, business, whatever, mindset is totally changeable. And science knows now that we're not locked into some fixed, hard stone of a brain. With the right strategy, which is relatively simple, just like that, you can transfer a belief. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the church actually has that language right when they say make a decision for Christ, right? You make a new decision and all kinds of things begin to change. The next thing that I, you know, and it's really usually the middle door that people walk into, at least in counseling, is there's something wrong with our marriage, you know, and our communication sucks. So I have a real straightforward communication formula that I teach people, and it's a formula so that it's easy to remember, that takes all of the problem pieces and acknowledges those problems and how to deal with them. And so problem solved there. The cool thing is once you begin to really be able to connect with people, deeply at an intimate level and whatever intimacy means for you, right? And that may or may not include sex because it may or may not be in a marriage or a, um, a relationship of that sort. But whatever it means for you to be able to connect deeply and intimately with people, when that happens, what I've seen is people then can begin to let go of stuff that they actually don't control because we hold on to it before and communicate poorly because we're fighting for our right and mm-hmm. we're fighting for our position. But once we can let go of that, that sets us up to be able to love more. And once I can do that, now I can begin to cast vision and begin to take massive action towards that vision and to know every single day what it is that when you get up, you're going to be doing and have these amazing and powerful questions that you're asking yourself and that you and if you have a partner are able to ask together, holy cow, talk about transformative. But a lot of people just never get there because they'd rather it's safe to turn the crank And it's safer to just get up and make the donuts, even though they hate that life, 
than it is to take the risk of, well, let me learn to do a different thing. Let me learn, let me acknowledge that maybe I'm in part contributing to this pain that I have. It's not maybe everybody else's or somebody else's fault. But if I can get past that and go, okay, what can I do? You can do a lot. Right. A whole lot. So. Well, awesome. I would love to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to come back. And we can pick a, this was kind of an introduction to Grant, although I do, I was noticing at the end, I mean, it was kind of a, you know, the story of journey when you do see that emergency light come on. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned it like I, I realized with my marriage, I couldn't keep doing it this way. I realized with mm-hmm. my spirituality, I couldn't keep doing it this way. I realized with my profession, I couldn't keep doing it this way. Right. And that right. is that you know, this has largely been that subject of journey, if you will. Yeah. But we I know we could talk about any one of hundreds of subjects for an hour and people would love it because we're that good. <laughs> well, you're that cool. I know. Oh, I know it for sure. Um, <laughs> so stupid. Um Anyway, so thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I, hope I know it's you're useful to folks. I know it will be. I'm certain. I've got some people in my mind right now that I'm like, I know they're going to love it. I might even text them and say, listen to this. So I know you're rebuilding your website. Yep. So we're not going to give that website address. Would you have an address at some point? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're so inclined to just um, private message me on Facebook, you can reach out to me that way. No. Okay. Um, I think you're in the uh, NAC group, aren't you? I think so. Yeah. So, um, New Age Christianity, if you're not on the uh, Facebook group, go to the site and uh, join. There's a private group for more community-based discussion. It's not like you have to earn the right to go in. We just want to make sure it's more intentional. And then, obviously, there's the public and uh, New Age Christianity page. So, and if you're uh, wanting to reach out to Grant, maybe even for some personal coaching, you can uh, hit him up and you can find him, Grant Porteous. Yep. Right? Grant Porteous. P O R T E O U S. There are probably only not so many of them on Facebook. So Not a lot. Um, although there's one in New Zealand and there's one. <laughs> I'm the one in Northern Michigan. <laughs> Perfect. So hit him up on Facebook and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, if you uh, would consider donating, we would highly appreciate it. Um, it is a. Uh, Help us produce more episodes like this and uh, maybe even improve a few things around the office and uh, getting better and better. Hopefully we're going to redesign the interview format so we're not sitting side by side next time and we can have a little bit better uh, angle at each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this position, I feel like it's a bar and there should be a pint here or right? something. Uh, or, or a, a stogie. Or, and maybe, I think we might maybe figure that out. Time, yeah. Who knows where that conversation <laughs> might go. All right. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, We'll see you on the next episode.